Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Hi, and welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. Produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Amy Middleton. Welcome to Women on the Line. In this two-part series, we take a look at the importance of our surroundings and our environment when it comes to the stories we tell about our lives. Take a moment to think of your favourite books of all time. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye, maybe? Tim Winton's Cloud Street? Anything by Hemingway? And think about the huge role that place and environment played in these literary works. Often in art, The place or environment takes on a character of its own, impacting the storyline and soliciting change, just like the people that inhabit that space. Chart Collective is a not-for-profit publishing venture based in Melbourne that explores how story is woven into place and environment. But the concept doesn't just refer to nature. It encompasses suburbia, urban areas, apartment living, cooking, infrastructure any part of our surroundings that impacts the stories we tell and the art we produce. Chart Collective was recently long-listed in the Walkley's Foundation Grants Program for Innovation in Journalism. Today, I'm chatting with Sophie Allen, founding editor-in-chief of Chart Collective, about the origins and significance of this project, the importance of environment to each of our identities, and the role of responsibility we all play in our surroundings. Thanks for joining me for another edition of Women on the Line. Sophie Allen, founding editor-in-chief of Chart Collective, is studying a Master's in Publishing and Communication at Melbourne University. She founded Chart Collective in January 2014, and she's here today to chat with us about the project. Thanks for being on Women on the Line, Sophie. Thank you so much for having me. So to start, could you give us an overview of Chart Collective? Sure. So um, we are an online publisher of um, uh, multimedia content that relates to uh, environment and place. So we're interested in exploring what our relationship is to environment and place. Um, so as you said, we were founded uh, last year. There's five of us, um, Colin Trechter, Bonnie Grant, Phil Marshall, Jocelyn Richardson and myself. And uh, yeah, we've just been working for about a year and we've uh, just finished publishing our first series of work, which was called the Longer Light series. So tell us a bit more about the Longer Light series. 
Right. So it was a, a collection of work, um, 12 different pieces of work that related to um, the place of ritual in our lives um, w- with relationship to the place that we sort of perform them. And we were looking at summer, which is, I suppose, a time when a lot of us have got a lot of personal rituals that that we um, carry out. Uh, and, yeah, so we asked 12 different people. We have um, written work, audio, visual work. We had illustration, yeah, from a, a few of, I suppose, uh, people who we really respected, um, Australian Australian work, also exclusively it is, yeah. So you handpicked all the contributors? Absolutely. That's yeah. fun. Oh, I think that that's probably the one of the funnest things about it is um, – just, you know, I mean, it's such a pleasure to um, consume literature, music um, and film. And then when you can turn around and say to those people who you have so much enjoyment, um, you know, reading or listening to um, and they want to be involved in your project, it's, it's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe talk us through where the idea came from and how place has influenced some of your art or some of your favourite art. Sure. Um, well, the idea um, sort of arose when I was doing a creative writing subject at, um, at uni with Tony Birch, and it was uh, looking at the relationship of place to, um, to writing. And I started to read quite a few walking essays, um, people like Rebecca Solnit, um, Nick Papadimitriou, um, uh, Deborah Bird-Rose, who writes about Australia, um, and I just became really, really fascinated with this genre of writing. What's a walking essay for listeners that don't? Okay, know? a walking essay is um, really exactly what it sounds like. It's, um, but I suppose that the essence of it is moving through a landscape, moving through a place, and um, connecting with that place psychologically, physically. Um, and uh, drawing together a whole lot of information about, you know, all of the different aspects of a place. So um, there's sort of this genre called psychogeography or uh, deep topography. And it's, yeah, I suppose that it's about the ways that the physical and the psychological or emotional converge. Um, and that, Sounds awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I... I, I think that I was excited by it more than I've been excited by anything for a really long time. And I think that, you know, you asked about um, how the art that I, my favourite art, um, relates to the sort of themes of, of chart. And uh, one of the first times that I think I read nature writing was when I found a book by John Steinbeck, which is called A Log from the Sea of Cortez. And um, it's actually a nonfiction work about um, a marine expedition so like a scientist going out and collecting marine specimens um and Steinbeck sort of manages to weave these like really quite deep um beautiful philosophical ideas into the process of um of being in these rock pools <laughs> um I've always loved rock pools <laughs> um ever since a lot I was of people that love rock pools. yeah well um like I yeah there's there's something about it. I mean, there's something I think about um, w- walking, um, looking really closely, stopping, getting your hands in the in the sand and in the water. And um, I think that there's a real sense of um, 
feeling embedded in these ecosystems and like feeling involved in the landscape, feeling like you're a part of it and it's a part of you. And I think that um, that's sort of like something that's really important to us and that that's the sort of idea that we want to explore, um, the embeddedness of people in, in ecosystems, emotional and, um, you know, and physical. And it's, um, it's hard not to think of our traditional landowners when you talk about that. How much um, do the experiences of Indigenous Australians play into Chart's kind of um, origins and where you're going with it? Right. Well, I mean, I think that um, a, big, a big part of what we want to do with Chart is to um, really consider closely what our, what our narratives are of, of being in place in Australia. Like, what is our... What are our national identities, um, and how can we how can we rethink them? I suppose. I mean, we we live in a context in Australia of um, cu- coming from a history of of invasion and um, and you know massacre and um, continuing disadvantage, continuing racism, like everything that we do in that context of, of Australian history, um, have to play into it. And so, you know, I'm a white person. I think that when I approach any conversation about land, I, I very much, very readily acknowledge the, the historical context that I come from, in being descended from um, the colonial, you know, the invaders. Um, and so, you know, I um, would never speak for for what Aboriginal process in land is, but... I absolutely um, think that Australian culture has got a lot <laughs> to learn from um, Indigenous ways of knowing and um, Indigenous processes in landscape. And actually, Amblin Quaymalina um, wrote an essay, um, which is on our website right now um, for free, <laughs> um, which is about um, Indigenous processes in landscape. And uh, yeah, her essay is just absolutely stunning, and I think it's very generous um and i think that we we need to get to a point where we um stop mystifying and mythologizing what are incredibly intricate and complicated systems of knowledge that exist in in aboriginal culture and i mean a friend of mine megan cope who's an artist she's from up north stradbroke island she's a kwandamooka woman and she's told me stories that have actually been like passed down from person to person for thousands of years that speak of a time when the the geographical features were like the last ice age these are this is knowledge that we would be really lucky to get to a point where we were sharing and valuing those systems of knowledge yeah can you give any examples of the way that um referring to the essay that's on the chart website the way that indigenous people or their land processes? Well, I, I'd be pretty, um, like, I wouldn't really like to talk about that myself because I don't think that it's necessarily my information yeah, to, um, to say, you know, on the radio. But uh, um, I would definitely um, say that Indigenous, a, a stewardship of land, um, a, a custodianship of land and a, um, a very, very deep relationship and kinship with the living things and and the land is it's fundamental and you know capitalism is 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 the the framework that we live in now and i think that what capitalism does is encourage us to dissociate 
emotionally from the things that we are encouraged to exploit, like people and land. I, I suppose I'd say that, but, but but I do think that it's important that I don't um, that yeah that the knowledge that that is not mine I can talk about sort of thing. You know, I think that's a, yeah, that's probably a good rule to live by. Mm. So. I mean, we've spoken a lot about nature and um, our connections to nature, but chart doesn't stop with um, the natural environment. There's mm. also connections to infrastructure and um, urban and suburban environments. Mm. Um, can you talk a little bit about how those environments do impact us um, and uh, and their relevance to art, particularly in an Australian context? Mm. So I suppose that um, the way that um, we want to... Imp- approach this this discussion this conversation is that people actually aren't separate to nature so we don't say um you know oh well there's nature over there that's outside the city and that's where we haven't um you know messed it up um whereas here in the city like for instance the merry creek the yarrow that we can't swim in that we can't drink from that you know um that's that's not nature anymore like to, to us, I suppose that is like the crux of maybe the um, the problem of of how we see our environments, and so I suppose that um, in what ways? Uh, well, I think that um, as soon as you say, okay, this this river or this tree or whatever, this is in the city. That's not nature. You know, wilderness is out there. Then. Um, I think that it's sort of like a get out of jail free card. You you cease to um, to take responsibility for the way that your life impacts that that thing. You know, it's kind of a tiny bit tangential, but um, in starting this project, personally, and I think that a lot of people who are maybe in a similar demographic to me, which is like, you know, young, white, middle class, maybe a bit lefty, um, <laughs> you know, like pretty disillusioned with um, the eco and green movement because, well, I don't know exactly why I can't speak for other people, but for me personally, it's like this idea of the environment, like let's save the environment. Where Where is the environment? What are we talking about? Um, I think that what, what we want to do by exploring the, the really personal connections that people have to their urban environment, to um, wherever it is they're from, wherever it is they go, um, like that's the environment <laughs> and wherever you are, you're embedded in an ecosystem and the, the ways that you uh, live have direct effects on the other things that are in your ecosystem. Um, so I suppose that that's why we're really interested in um, uh, moving away from this idea of nature writing that's like quite anthropological, quite colonial, quite, um, you know, white and masculine. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and, yeah, so obviously I think that, you know, like I live on the Merry Creek. Um, I can see the city from St. George's Road where I live. Um, but I live on this creek and I to be by it, um, to be near it, even though some days the water is filled with rubbish and it's cloudy and I can see, for, you know, from day to day how that changes with rain and the weather and everything. But to be by it and to be connected to it and to walk on it you know, on a daily basis and to learn the birds that live there, um, to learn to know their calls, um, when I, you know, to spot them and be really excited by these kind of things. Like, that enriches my life a lot and it makes me happy, you know, and and it makes me, it reminds me that of my place in, in an ecosystem, I suppose. 
And, and that's something that every, everyone can have. You don't need to um, be someone who's, who's got the money to go on a holiday, you know, or like we value um, the idea that every person has got this relationship to place and environment. And, and you know, and it's got a responsibility and will be affected by climate change <laughs> because that's going to happen in your backyard. It's not going to happen just at the ice cap. Is that something that is an intended outcome of chart? Yeah, well, I think that it's really um, it's really intimidating to uh, say our intended outcome is X because we're like a very, very small organisation and, you know, um, we're just starting out and who knows if, you know, you, you ever get to do the things that you want to do. And it's, it, you know, I think that there's a lot of... Um, in anything that's like the, you know, sort of ecological um, movement, there's also a lot of finger-pointing and righteousness and all that kind of stuff. So I guess I would say that first. But certainly I think that um, the the really strange thing I think about climate change is, that, is the difficulty that we have um, in bringing it into our reality. Like, I think that we know that this, what the science is. Most of us accept it. <laughs> Whether or not we make personal decisions or, you know, we actually see it as happening in our future, like that's another thing. And I suppose um, that one thing that we notice in our own lives, it, you know, the, I suppose the collective, the other guys and me, is that when we're strengthening, strengthening these relationships to the ecosystems that we live in, we're beginning to understand more how that will change with with um, global warming, ocean acidification and this kind of stuff. And so I suppose that rather than saying I would like that to be the end outcome, I suppose that I would like the conversation that we're having to um, to encourage people to understand the, yeah, their, their own, the future of their own place. Women's on a light. <laughs> Women on the line. Women on the line. (laughs) You're listening to Women on the Line. I'm chatting with Sophie Allen, co-founder and editor-in-chief of Chart Collective, a non-profit website that explores the connection between art and the environment here in Australia. We've just been talking through the importance of individuals feeling personally connected to their surroundings and how this union can increase people's feelings of responsibility over their immediate environment and even realise the potential impact of issues like climate change. So, Sophie, how does storytelling and the creation of artwork help us to connect with our environments and even feel more personally responsible for them? Well, I mean, I don't know... uh how other people feel but for me um when i have a very strong experience of of something um of an idea um and you know when when that experience i think really shakes me to my core it's generally communicated in a creative way like i don't know how many people have like real epiphanies when they hear a list of facts or something <laughs> but that doesn't really work for me um so like i was talking about the sea of cortez before by john steinbeck that's something that had a profound effect on me because it was just stunning 
prose and really um, fascinating and expanding ideas were being um, communicated in it. And, I mean, another example is, like, Gaudi's Park in Barcelona. I don't know if you've ever been there. This is, like, I actually don't – I've never studied art, I think, I experience art, on, I suppose, in a pretty naive way. Um, but when I walked through that park in, in Barcelona, there was like a really visceral um, uh, feeling. I felt ch- changed by that. And I think that that had to do a lot with um, the way that he uses the lines of nature and the materials of nature to create something that is slightly human manipulated. I, I don't know, there was something about that that... Um, that I felt like changed me more than going to a cathedral. We want to connect um, through art and and words and image and sound, and um, that's just one way to do it, and that's just our way to do it, you know. Yeah, and we were talking off air about um, the idea of seeing yourself represented in art mm. and how that, I mean, for me personally, um, I get moved by things I find familiar and if mm. they're reflected back to me I relate to them a lot easier mm. and that's something that chart does is, is that it takes an Australian experience and and makes it artistic mm. which I find really moves me to mm. to change or mm. to think about things differently yeah oh that's good to hear you know and I think that also you know you brought up a pretty interesting point about seeing yourself reflected in um in the stories that we tell about about ourselves as Australia or whatever. I mean, one of the things that we um, really um, strive to do is to um, to look beyond, I suppose, this um, tr- traditional idea that we have of people in nature, you know, like in Australia, which is so often um, anthropological and, and white and male. It comes to my mind right now that when the film Tracks was on a little while, maybe a year or so ago at the cinema, which is um, based on the book by Robin Davidson, um, which is also called Tracks, uh, which was written about a journey that she took across the desert of Australia, like from Alice Springs to the West Coast with a couple of camels. And, you know, whether like whatever your thoughts are about that story or that film, uh, I remember I was sitting around a table with um, an elderly relative of mine and he said you know, why on earth do I want to sit there for two hours and watch a film about a woman walking across the desert with a bunch of camels? And I just turned around and I was like, um, wasn't, like, my entire primary school education about history centred around some men walking across the desert with a bunch of camels and then dying because they were, like... <laughs> That's a fair they, call. they couldn't, you know, make it work, whatever. And so I think that it's interesting, like... What what happens, you know, politically when we start to look at other people's stories in, in landscape? And, I mean, you know, the stories of migrants, the stories of refugees, the stories of First Nations peoples, um, the, the stories of women, uh, the stories of people with disability. This is Aboriginal land, but a lot of different people live on it Um now and we've all got stories that need to be represented so that we can reconfigure these these narratives of who we are. So how can people get involved or learn more about Chart? Well, um, you can go to our website, which is www.chartcollective.org and uh, we have the entire Longer Light series up there and there's work by 
Maxine Benneba-Clark and Ellen Van Nieuwen, who are currently shortlisted for the Stella Prize, I should say. Um, congratulations to those guys. Um, there's work by Al Montfort, who's a Melbourne musician in bands like Dick Diver, Straight Jacket Nation. There's work by um, Rebecca Giggs, um, who I think that you're going to be speaking to. Um, yeah, uh, Laura Jean also, who's a musician, has written us a piece. Um, all of that content is up there for free, so please go and just enjoy it and spend time with it. Sign up to our mailing list. Um, yeah, I suppose that we're also doing something at the Emerging Writers Festival coming up. We're going to be taking over the festival hub for one night. And uh, we're at the moment preparing to sort of devise our program of um, publishing over the next year. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I suppose, you know, we are interested in um, people's ideas. If they've got ideas that really they're burning to express about their relationship with landscape, please get in touch with us and just let's have a chat. And, um, yeah, we're really interested in collaboration. We're really open, you know. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I suppose that I would maybe like to take this opportunity just to thank uh, a few people who have um, sort of been founding donors for our organisation. Um, this might come as a surprise to you, but <laughs> the sort of content that we're working with is not incredibly commercially viable. <laughs> um, so we've been spending a lot of time um, doing a lot of work applying for grants and this kind of thing. Um, but, you know, in, in the current environment, that's not the most reliable thing. And so, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, on air say thank you to those who have um, given us uh, little bits and pieces of donations. It means a lot to us. Chartcollective.org. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sophie Allen, for coming on Women on the Line. Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Sophie Allen there, co-founder and editor-in-chief of Chart Collective, um, and you can find out more at chartcollective.org. Next time on Women on the Line, I'll be chatting to Rebecca Giggs, um, one of the writers that featured in um, Chart Collective's recent anthology, uh, about her sense of place and environment and how that impacts her writing. Uh, until then, I'm Amy Middleton, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Women on the Line. Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a range of women at 3CR Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by La Tigra. Women on the Line can be downloaded from our website, womenontheline.org.au or download the podcast at 3cr.org.au slash podcast. I'm Amy Middleton. Tune in next time for another edition of Women on the Line. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.